can we just give it up for Jesus and for his presence that is in this place? You know? Now, here's the thing. I do a lot better if you, if you preach back at me. Like, if you say amen and hallelujah and preach a curly-haired preacher and that kind of stuff. And so, do we need to practice today? All right, we're going to start over here. Ready to go, ready to go, ready to go, ready to go, ready to go. Amen, hallelujah, let's go, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I get into today's message, let me just say this. You guys have a great church. Some people understand what... That was like a pity clap. No, I really mean this. <laughs> I've been in ministry for 17 years, and I've had the opportunity to travel to different parts of the, of the world and preach in all kinds of different churches, and you all have a great church. Not just a good church, but a great church. Passionate people that love God, great vision, great leadership, excellence here, spirit of excellence, integrity in the house, a beautiful sanctuary, but more importantly, the presence of the Lord is here. And so I don't know about you, but I was crying through worship because that's what I typically do when God is here. But the good news is, is when God is here, anything can happen. And so um, a great church is normally led by great leaders. And the Bible says to give honor to where honor is due. And so for Pastor Jordan and his wife, and of course, Pastor Van as well, would you give them a big round of applause for years of labor and building something where lives can get changed? You know. For those of you all who don't know me a little bit more, my name is Pastor Ken. I lead a life-giving church in Gainesville, Florida. Go Gators. Got some haters, got a couple Gators. All right, we love you. All right. Um, and uh, so we're in Gainesville, Florida. Next year we'll be also launching in Orlando, and we're excited about that. Um, I've been married to a beautiful woman named Tabitha for 18 years. It has been the best 16 and a half years of my life. Come on, somebody, you do the math. <laughs> The first year, the year and a half was absolutely horrible. I was arrogant, mean, selfish, prideful, and unfaithful. But thank God, God can change anybody. Amen. And I know you get upset with me, but my wife wasn't much better. I wish I could tell her story, but I don't have time. I'm telling you the truth. No, really, when we first got, um, got, got together, she had been diagnosed depressed for about 10 years of her life at that point. Grew up in the project, sexually abused, verbally abused, physically abused. She gave her heart to Jesus when she was 22, not raised in the church at all, got spirit-filled. Three months after being spirit-filled, she would look in her mirror and declare that she's healed and that depression is underneath her feet. She would call things that be not as though they were. Within three months, depression left her life. She's been completely depression-free for 16 years. Come on, somebody. That's good news for somebody. It doesn't matter what you're facing right now. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. Does anybody believe that? And so out, now we, we have marriage ministry. We're best friends. We've been married. It will be 19 years on July the 3rd. I made it this far by faith. And uh, we have three beautiful children. My youngest, his name is Kenny. There might be a picture. I'm not sure. Kenny, he is seven years old. All right. Then we have Charity, my middle child. She is eight going on nine. And then my oldest, who is actually here with me today, she just turned 13 last month. And so I have a teenager now, y'all. Come on, y'all pray for me. <laughs> and she's right here on the front row. And so I love her so very much. She's my traveling buddy now. All right. You guys ready for the word of God today? We need to have a conversation. Y'all ready? Yes. 
Let's talk. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. We thank you that we're two or three are gathered together in your name, that you're here with us. And because you're here with us, everything that is not of you, we command it to go. Depression, go. Sickness, go. Addictions, be broken. Confusion, go. We thank you from wisdom and favor from on high. And those who came in one way will leave out in a better way in Jesus' name. So we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for everything that will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're on part two of a series we began last week called Conversations. Everybody say Conversations. And I was told by your pastor, Pastor Jordan, that you all were talking about the power of words and how to have difficult conversations. Now, difficult conversations, most people don't want to go into them because they are difficult. Um, But I'm glad he kind of set the stage for me with part one because today we need to have a difficult conversation. Today we're going to be talking about breaking down racial barriers, racial reconciliation, and uh, racial healing. Everybody say, ooh. Now, it's really not going to be that difficult, frankly, because anytime you come through the lens of love and through God's word, there's going to be refreshing. And that's what I want to, want to happen today. This, this message is going, to, is going to enhance our perspective, hopefully. It's going to bring about great understanding, and it's going to bring about a whole lot of healing. Everybody say a whole lot of healing. Can y'all handle that this morning? All right. And so before we get into our conversation, I want to start by a question, or maybe this is how we'll start our conversation today. Here's the question. How many of you all want to experience more heaven on earth? Let me see by show of hands. If you want to experience more heaven on earth, some people don't have their hands up. So we'll just pray all the heaven comes to me. How many of you all, two hands, come on, want to experience more heaven on earth? All right. Most believers do. We want to have more heaven on earth. Um, There's a lot of people that are waiting for heaven in the sweet by and by. They say things like, well, in the sweet by and by, what a day of rejoicing that will be. I don't know about you, but I want to rejoice then and I also want to rejoice now. You know, I want to have joy then, but I also want to have some joy now. I want to be healed then, but I also want to be healed now. Right. And so I could use some heaven on earth right now. Matter of fact, when Jesus taught us how to pray, if you were to turn with me over to Matthew, Matthew chapter number nine, I'll put that on the board behind me. Uh, Matthew number, chapter number six, verse number nine. Um, this is what we call the Lord's Prayer, and it actually wasn't the Lord's Prayer. You know, I grew up in more of a traditional Baptist church, and I was taught that this was the Lord's Prayer. I was taught it at a very early age, but I found out later on that this was a model of how to pray. This wasn't the Lord actually praying. He was laying out, this is how we ought to pray. And so if you look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says, this then is how you should pray. This is how you should pray. To our Father who is in heaven. And so you should pray to the Father in Jesus' name. And so our petitions are directed to the Father in Jesus' name. Hallowed be thy name, which means, God, you're awesome, you're wonderful, you're majestic. You begin to call him who he is. Hallowed be thy name. And watch this part here. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done, watch this, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is how Jesus says that we ought to pray, that we should pray to the Father, worshiping him for who he is, and then we have this ability to pray that your will in heaven be done on the earth. Matter of fact, this is how you ought to pray. This is the model of prayer that whatever's happening in heaven, we have a justifiable expectation that it's going to happen also in the earth. And so this leads me to the next question, and if you're ready, say, I'm ready. What is heaven like? Well, if you look at Revelations chapter 7, if you have a Bible, go there, Revelations chapter 7, it tells us a little bit about what heaven is like. Now, you can do a whole study about heaven, but I'm going to kind of go over this one scripture here. You know, I've been kind of reading the Bible for for many years of my life, and um, I've come to believe that um, 
we might not be able to have the full manifestation of heaven and the earth because of this fallen world. But I believe that we kind of set the bar that heaven is our goal. That's our aim. So whatever heaven is like, we, we can kind of set the bar that, you know, we kind of want to get there. You, you know, we know we're not going to have no sorrow here and no sickness here and no pain here. But, but that's the bar. That's where we can get to based upon this model on how to pray. And so if you look at Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. That means it was a whole lot of people. All right? From every nation. Y'all say every nation. And let's continue that word every, every tribe. Everybody say every tribe. Every people, say every people. Every language, say every language. And watch what they were doing. They were standing before the throne and before the lamb. Now, what I found out is that if you don't like people, you probably ain't gonna like heaven. Cause there's gonna be a whole lot of people. As far as the eye can see, they are gonna be everywhere. I didn't say everywhere. I said everywhere. Everybody say everywhere. It's going to be a whole lot of people, and not just any kind of people, every language, every tribe, every people group, every nationality, every culture. Come on, somebody. Y'all see where this is going? Not only are they going to be there, they're going to be unified around the Lamb of God with one voice on one accord, not based upon our race, our culture, or our background, but based upon our relationship with Jesus, saying, holy is the Lamb. And so let me ask this again. How many of you all want to experience heaven on earth? Let me see by a show of hands. Are y'all sure about this? Here's the key. There is absolutely no racism in heaven. All nations, tribes, languages, and people are there on one accord. All right? And I believe that we can have the same thing in the church. Does anybody believe that? And so here's our story. Um, my wife and I, we started the first phase of our ministry back in 2007. Um, at the time, I owned a real estate company and lived outside of Washington, D.C. Really never thought that I would be a pastor. I was a marketplace minister, but God really just genuinely called us. And so at the time, I'm living outside of Washington, D.C. I own about $5 million of real estate, and the Lord gives me this test like the rich young ruler. He says, I want you to leave everything that you have and move to Gainesville, Florida. I had to Google it to figure out where it was. I said, Gainesville. You know, because coming from the north, if you're going to move to Florida, you want to be able to brag to your friends that you're on the beach, like the Lord called me to the beach. But I couldn't say that because Gainesville is right up north, exactly where you don't want to be in a swamp, in a college city, you know. But that's the Lord's humor, I guess. But anyway, and so we didn't have a launch team. We didn't, know, we didn't know anything. I mean, we have four people. We used to water baptize people in our swimming pool, have praise team practice in our garage. And within five years of just being faithful over what God called us to do, we grew from four people to about 1,000 people in about two locations. And right around year five, by most people's standards, that would be successful. I mean, you all started clapping and everything. But the truth is, in my spirit, I knew something was wrong. Number one, um, we were re reaching too many church people. I mean, they would get offended at their church and then come to our church, and I wanted to reach more unchurched people. But number two, our church was 99.5% black. And I just had a problem with that because our city was 70% white, 23% black, 7% Hispanic, another. And I'm going to use these big general terms if you don't mind in this conversation. I'm going to use black and white, but yellow, brown, red, we know you out there, but just let me... <laughs> 
<laughs> Let me just make it general, you know. And I didn't like that, you know. When I started our church, I said, our church is going to be a church for all people. I mean, we used to say that every Sunday, but all people didn't come. All people came, but they wouldn't stay. And there's reasons why they wouldn't stay. And I had to figure that all over the last 10 years. But I wanted that to be a reality. Uh, I wanted to look out and I wanted our church to resemble heaven. Actually, I'm going to start to write a book called Resembling Heaven. This is like an assignment that I have to really help us lock arms to be the body of Christ that God has called us to be. And so what we did, we changed everything. I mean, we changed our music, we changed our dress, we changed our style, we changed our times, we changed our location, we changed our bylaws. We basically just started a whole nother church called Alive Church, which is about three and a half years old now. But here's the cool thing. Now we see about 60-40 and we're headed to 50-50. I want people to walk in our church and not know the race of the pastor. And to be, we're still in the South. I know you think you're South, but we're a little South too. Gainesville is like Southern, like Northern, Southern Georgia. It really is. It, it kind of has has this vibe, has a university there, so it's like high-mindedness, but it also has this really Southern vibe to it. And that is a literal miracle where we are right now. And I believe that God wants miracles to happen all over the world. Would somebody say amen? amen. And so um, there was a couple of things that really bothered me, and I want to share them with you. It used to drive me crazy that I would invite white people to my church, and they would say, is it a black church? And you know, being from up north, I really didn't get it completely. I'm like, what scripture do you get that from? Is there a black church, a white church? But now I know what they meant. Well, I belong at your church. Is there anybody that looks like me at your church? Now I get it. I didn't get it back then. It used to drive me crazy though, okay? The second thing that used to drive me crazy is that I could see blacks and whites, once again, using those two general terms, work together in corporate America Monday through Friday, do business together. On Saturday, we would pass the football all day long on Saturday. On Sunday, people would go to their black church, Korean church, Mexican church, and the most segregated time of our week was on Sunday morning, and I could not stand it. It was like taking fingernails and raking them over the chalkboard. Like, I can't believe that we're supposed to represent Christ with his love. We're supposed to have heaven invading the earth, but on Sunday morning, you go to your tribe and I go to my tribe, even though we're together all week long. So I had to do something about it. And you say, Pastor, why did that irk you so much? Well, John chapter 13, verse 35, and watch this scripture here. And I want to deposit this in your spirit so there's going to be some things that bother you after this. It says, by this, everyone will know you're my disciples indeed if you have love one for another. That scripture bothers me because it lets me know that everybody's watching us. Everyone, atheists, agnostics, people that don't even go to church, everybody's going to know if we are really his disciples based upon how we love. And so when you see things happen in the media and there's division and there's all these injustices that are happening, unfortunately, we can look to the church and it looks just like the world. But what the scripture says is that they should be looking to us to see how to really love to see how to break down racial barriers, to see how to walk in unity. And this is supposed to be a witness that we are truly his disciples, that we have a love that overcomes your background, your mistakes, and also your race. Am I preaching okay? I don't know. We're having a conversation. We're just talking, y'all. We're just talking. And so how many of you all, y'all ready to get a tad prophetic with it? How many of you all believe that the local church is the hope of the world? <laughs> I believe with all my heart, I love the church. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. 
I believe that we have the answers that the world is looking for. I believe that this is the church's um, finest time to shine. You know, a lot of people are saying, man, it's dark in the world. Oh, there's so much sin happening in the world. People are committing suicide that are famous. There's all kinds of shootings and Black Lives Matters and Blue Lives Matters and This Lives Matters and all of these things. Um, man, it's dark out there. Well, listen, the church, the light shines best where there's darkness. This isn't a time for us to put our tail between our legs and run away. This is a time to run towards the darkness, letting people know how good our God is. I guess what I'm saying is that you don't have to be afraid of the darkness when you have a light. You see, here's the thing. Racism is not a sin issue, a skin, a skin issue, it's a sin issue. Now you might wanna write that down. It's not, a, it's not a skin issue, it's a sin issue. See, a lot of us think that it's a, it's a skin issue and it's not a skin issue, it's a sin issue. And the truth is that we have the answer for the sin issue and his name is Jesus. See, Jesus breaks the, the power of darkness. He breaks the power of sin. And so we have to lift up his name because he shines a light where there's darkness, all right? And so <clears throat> as I was praying over you guys' church, the Lord dropped this in my heart. You all can take it or leave it. Um, you know, maybe y'all can get together and pray about it, but I think it's a word really from God for this church. This was a customized message. It wasn't something I actually put this together and was like, man, I got to teach this at home. Um, but this is something specifically he gave me for you guys. And this is what the Lord said. He says, I've hand selected this church to be a leader of rec a racial reconciliation in this region. That's big time. Now, <clears throat> I need to say that again to make sure we got it. This is, he says specifically, I've hand selected, I don't know what that means exactly, this church, Northwood Church, to be a leader of racial reconciliation in this region. Now, I don't know what kind of principalities have been in this region and over this state. Some of y'all know what has been over this region and over this state, but there is an anointing on this house to break them down. Okay. And I believe this with all my heart. Let me just, and I believe that whenever God begins to speak that kind of thing, there's a mantle to bring it to pass. There is an anointing to bring it to pass. Now, those of you all who are newer to church, by an anointing, what I mean is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the power of God to go into operation, to break down what's wrong and to establish which is right. Now, sometimes when we hear, man, my church is anointed, my church has this mantle of racial reconciliation, we almost put it on the organization, but the truth is, is that the organization is you. The church in the Greek is gathering, and this is not just a, an organization. All it is is you. You have an anointing. Now, what I mean is you got to take this personal, that God has anointed you for this time to be able to walk in greater love and in greater unity, to be able to break down the bondages of darkness that is in this region, in this city, and in this state. I believe that this is a pioneering church where God's going to birth something new in you in this place that transforms the entire... I wish I had somebody that believed the words coming out of my mouth. Maybe I should wait for the 1115 service or 1130. Is anybody understanding what I'm saying to you? I got one cameraman that's clapping. Thank you. <laughs> and so I want to give you five keys for breaking down racial barriers. And remember, we, we, we just talking. Go ahead and tell your neighbor. We just we just talking this morning. We just talking. But, but I want to give you these keys because if that's true and you can take or leave that word, Pastor Jordan will tell you what to do with that word when I leave. Okay. 
But, but what I'm saying, if that word is true, you need to know what to do next. So, and so I, gave, I got five keys to break down racial barriers. Number one is you got to get God's perspective. You got to get God's pers- perspective. Everybody say, I need God's perspective. Here's the question. How does God view race? What does God say about race in the Bible? Do y'all know the answer? He doesn't. Race as we know it, black, white, yellow, red, and brown is not God's idea, but it's man. It's man-made. It's not God-made. You will not find it through Genesis and Revelations. When God talks about people, he talks about nationalities. Ishmaelites, Amorites, Hittites. He talks about Jew and Gentile. When God talks about people, he talks about saved and unsaved. But he never talks about black, white, yellow, red, and brown race as we know it. Now the question is, then where did it come from, okay? Now, you can take or leave this next statement. Years ago, you know how God puts people and information in your life that changes your perspective for where he wants you to go? Probably about 10 years ago, I came across a book called Darwin's Plantation. You can Google it to get on Amazon if you so desire. It's called Darwin's Plantation. And the author laid out research that he had done in this argument that race as we know it started with Darwinism and evolutionary thought, okay? And the foundation of this, and evolutionists will say, no, this isn't true at all, but you gotta go and do your homework and take or leave, whatever you want to. But in its, in its, in its foundation, evolutionary theory believes the lighter you are, the higher you are up the evolutionary chain. So evolutionists believe we came from tadpoles to frogs to gorillas to people to lighter people and the closer you get to light. Now, what that means, if that was true, the very thing that is being taught in our public schools is racist in its foundation. Are y'all with me? All right. Now, those of you all who are born again Christians, we don't believe in evolution. We believe God spoke and he's created us in his image and in his likeness. And here's the thing. We all came from the dust of the ground. Thank God we got different color dust because your dust is lighter than my dust. Don't make your dust better than my dust. My dust, your dust is darker than my dust. We all dust from the dust we came to. Thank God we got dust because if not, we would be born. There's a lot of flavors in this Baskin Robbins, baby. Thank God for his creative mind that let us not all be the same. (laughs) But anyway, so if you take his thought, I thought that was very interesting because, you know, if if that's the case, then that theory is is racist in its root. Now, I have people who come out of science and evolution in my church and now they're born again and everything and they'll say, oh no, it's not racist because they won't say that now. But, you know, you can do your own research and and decide for yourself. And so, so where did it come from? Where did racism come from? Let's make it a tad more spiritual. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Racism comes from the devil. You got to know this, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You're wrestling against the black folks or the Mexicans or the Nigerians. It ain't with them. It's against Satan himself. Okay? He knows that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And a house divided against itself will fall, okay? And so what he does is he loves us to come to church and have the black church and the white church and the Korean church and the Mexican church because if we ever come together, we're going to be more powerful. So he loves for you to be around people that look just like you so you don't learn from each other so he can keep you weak. And so here's the truth. Are y'all ready for truth today? It's conversation time. Here's the truth. Y'all ready? I don't know if y'all ready. Some of y'all look nervous. Don't be nervous. It's all right. 
It's all right. The truth, in God's perspective, there is only one race. The human race. I know that goes against everything we've been taught, but if you look at God's Bible, you will not find this race as we know it. In God's perspective, there is one race, and it's called the human race, with different colors, different nationalities, different cultures that we get to enjoy, but we're all one race, homo sapiens, same species. I hope we get that revelation today. Genetically speaking, humans, they say, are 99.99999% the same. Genetically speaking, meaning that if you're white, but we have the same blood type, I might get a kidney from you, but I can't get it from my brother, the black man. Why? Because we've made race more bigger than what it really is. Genetically speaking, we all have fingerprints. We all have retinas. We all have DNAs. We all have hair. At least some of us have hair. And we're a lot more alike than we are different. The devil loves for you to look at this one thing, which is a very small thing, genetically speaking, and say, man, you're nothing like me. And the truth is, is that we all have a past. We all have fears. We all have failures. We all have emotions. We all have dreams. We've all lost loved ones. And the truth is, we're a lot more alike than we are different. Does anybody believe that today? All right, number two, number two, number two, is that we have to uproot the roots. We have to uproot the roots, okay? Now, every tree or flower or plant has a root system, and sometimes you can't just handle stuff on the surface. You gotta dig up the roots, and this is, you know, taking up the roots sometimes hurt a little bit. Some of us have these weed seed attitudes towards other people, and we, we gotta get it right if we're gonna represent Christ. <clears throat> And so in order to change the fruit of racism that we have, we have to get to the root. We can't just hit it at the surface. And so let's do it. Are y'all ready? All right. We're going to dig up some roots. Some people might say, well, pastor, what do you think about that interracial marriage and interracial dating? Well, I say, well, I think what the Bible thinks about it. The Bible doesn't say anything about it unless you're marrying a different kind. Meaning that unless you're marrying Chewbacca, we don't have a problem here. You know Chewbacca from the Star Wars? Unless he walks down the aisle and you say, do you take this woman? And he says, Aah. okay, now we got a little bit of issue. You can't marry Chewbacca or R2-D2, but if you're marrying a human person, people might have a problem with it, but God doesn't because we're one kind, not multiple kinds. Let's get deep for a moment. Over in Genesis, the Bible says that God gives seed and everything in the seed will bear according to its kind. So flowers have a seed and when you plant the seed, it bears another flower. Cattles have a seed and when you plant the seed, it bears another cattle. Human beings have a seed. Man plants seed and woman and they have another human being. What's that same kind? Some people say, well, you need to marry your kind. You haven't read Genesis yet because we are the same kind. I have a nose, you have a nose. I have eyes, you have eyes. I have a heart, you have heart. I have lungs, you have lungs. You have words, I have words. I have a spirit, soul, and I live in a body. You are a spirit, have a soul, and live in a body. We are the same. Now, you say, what are you doing? I'm uprooting. I'm challenging you on purpose. God sent me all the way from Florida to challenge your perspectives because the truth is, is that my grandparents didn't teach me that. And my mom and dad might not have taught me that. 
but I have to renew my mind with God's word. And now it doesn't matter what my natural family taught me. I've been born again into a family and we are joint heirs together <laughs> with, with Christ. And I'll give you a scripture to prove it. Galatians chapter three, verse 28. Watch this. It says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female for, don't miss the last part, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, before you got saved, you might have been racist a little bit. You might have been a little prejudiced, might have had a little stereotypes. I think we all have. We've all been hurt by somebody. And um, we've all heard things and seen things and watched movies and watched the news and made judgments, whether they be right or wrong. But when we step out of our life into the life that Christ has for us, we are no longer many, but we are one in Christ Jesus. Does anybody believe that today? <clears throat> and so I believe with all my heart that when whites and blacks, once again, using these two terms, but I believe everybody and everybody in between, but when whites and blacks come together, we make something beautiful. We do. We make something absolutely beautiful. We do. You say, can you prove it? Yeah, my wife. My wife. She's beautiful on the outside, beautiful on the inside, half white, half black. So I don't know if they have a picture of my family again, but all those kids, you know, people always, they stop us in the grocery store. Your family's so beautiful. Yeah, it's the product of different races, so-called races coming together. And <laughs> like my little girl, she has this caramel skin and this blondish brownish hair and hazel eyes. That's got to be the cleverness of God. You know what I'm saying? See, beautiful things happen when we come together. Not saying that it has to be. I'm just saying there's been some people have actually said negative things towards that. And so people will say, well, Pastor, what, what, what would you say? Because I got two daughters. If your daughter went and married, uh, married, a, married a white man, <laughs> what would you say if she just married somebody who's Korean? I would say, is he saved? Does he live holy? Will he put God first in the relationship? I will, I will go biblical on you. I will say, are they equally yoked? That's it. And I don't give a care if he's black as night or as white as snow. If he will treat them and love her like Christ so loved the church, we'll go ahead. We're just having a conversation today, praise God. Number, number three, swim upstream. Okay, and so if you want to break down racial barriers, you have to be willing to swim upstream. Everybody say swim upstream. What do I mean by that? You have to be willing to go against the current. All right. And so God has called us out of the world so that we don't think like the world or behave like the world. Anybody believe that? Now, so when there's police shootings, unjust actions that happens on our news, the world is going to go off. People are going to take sides. People are going to point fingers and they're going to call names. But what about us? Do we do what the world does in those times or do we represent a kingdom that is bigger than ourselves? That means that we all have to have great wisdom. Go ahead and tap your neighbor and say, we got to have some wisdom. Go ahead. Go ahead and tap the other one that you don't know as well on the other side. Say, you got to have some, you, you got to have some wisdom. Okay. What do I mean by that? There are some debates that you need to stay out of. And the church said, Amen. there are some conversations that you might not even want to have. And the church said, Amen. and there are certain things you just can't post on your social media. <laughs> not if you want to represent Jesus. Matter of fact, here's a word for you. You got to pray before you post. That is a prophetic word from the third heaven. The Shekinah glory of the Lord just fell in this place. 
You gotta pray before you post. You can't just go and post everything. Here's the thing. We're in a, a free country. Your social media completely belongs to you. And you can do whatever you want to do with it. But the problem is you're a slave of Christ. And the life that you now live, you don't live the way you want to live. You live by the faith of the Son of God that died for you and gave himself for you. Now your life is not your own. And so even though you're free, you, you live inside of parameters. And so when things happen on the news, the truth is you only have one side. I'm just being honest with you today. You only got one. That's like people who got marriage problems. The wife will come up to me. Do you know what my husband has done? And I mean, she'll lay out this compelling case and I'll be like that ratchet sinner that he is. <laughs> and then you go talk to him and you'll be like that no good woman lied to me because you ain't have both sides. And so there's always two sides of the coin. So you say, what is the response of the church? Hey, I love everybody. I'm praying for you guys. They say, Pastor, what do you think about Black Lives Matters and White Lives Matters and Blue Lives Matters? I'm praying for everybody. I'm praying for the police. I'm praying for those who are protesting that they do it peacefully. The church's arms and our doors are wide open. If they want to have a conversation, just have them come in. See, sometimes you can't take, you got to play the middle. Everybody say the middle. I know it's so tempting for you to jump over here with half of a story or to jump over here with half of a story. But doesn't the Bible say that we should become all things to all men so that we could win some? And so, listen, I got a strong opinion about everything, about who you should vote for, but you don't need to know that. Not if it causes you to stumble at the cross. Not if you're going to get on my social media and you, you saw me posting all those scriptures about how you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And then I say something at the side of my neck that now causes you to stumble, woe be it unto me. And so I've crucified my opinion, and now instead of lifting up my opinion, I lift up the name of Jesus. Can anybody do that today? <laughs> and so anyway, number four is be intentional. You need to be intentional. If you're going to break down racial barriers, you got to be intentional. All right? Here's the key. All right, now we're going to build. Diversity doesn't happen accidentally. I accident, listen, when I go into a restaurant or somewhere and I see someone who's my, my same race, we got handshakes, we know how to do everything, you know what I'm saying? Like, but if you're gonna, if you wanna be a, a person that values, you gotta be intentional. You're, accident, you're not gonna do this accidentally. You naturally gravitate towards people that look like you or in your same economic class that vote like you and believe like you. But that ain't what the church is. The church is the rich and the poor, the white and the black, the educated and the uneducated, all coming together as family. That doesn't happen accidentally. There has to be intentional effort to when you see someone, like looking out, there is a minority and a majority that's in the church, so when you see the minority come in, you gotta embrace them. And sometimes what I believe is that we, we say, man, I love diversity, but we don't let them in our, in our refrigerator. Like, you gotta be real close to me. Don't come to my house and get in my refrigerator without asking. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I just invited you all in my refrigerator. See, but you gotta start letting people that are not of your race in your refrigerator. Have them over for Thanksgiving. Have them over for Christmas. Have, have your kids have friends with people that don't look like them. I'm talking on both sides of the equation. I don't know if y'all ready anyway. I gotta go on, gotta go on. Gotta move this conversation on. But number five. Um, is, is a point that God wanted me to kind of park at. And if I could have the, um, the worship team or the key player come on up. And this is, a, this is an important one. We have to forgive and we have to repent. 
If you want to really break down racial barriers, you have to be willing to do those two words. There were two specific words that God gave me to end this message with. Forgive means to release from a debt that's owed. How many of you all know that we should owe no man nothing but to love? And nobody owes you anything but to love. For those of you all who are black, I know sometimes there can be this mindset that people owe you 40 acres and a mule. But you got to come to the place where you release people from owing you something. That's a challenging thought. But as a people group, to walk in unforgiveness, here's the key. Here's the key to understand. All of your increase comes from God. I don't need the government to give me anything. I don't need a racial group to give me anything. Everything that I need comes from God. It's so important that we understand that because then, instead of waiting on men to do something, you'll start putting your focus on God. For those of you all who are white, you got to understand that oppression is a real spirit. And sometimes you can say, well, why don't they just get over it? Because they can't. Oppression is the devil. And it breaks down generations. It breaks down to where your grandparents thought this way, your parents thought this way. And to even break out of that, you'll be talked about, you'll be called an uncle. Talk. That's what oppression is. All of us need to understand that oppression ain't just in a, a black thing and a white thing. Females have been oppressed in our nation. Immigrants have been oppressed in our nation. There's been economic oppression versus the rich and the poor. Slavery is not just a Western thing, it's a sin thing. It's not, it's not an American idea, it's a, it's a demonic idea. So what I'm talking about to you today is spiritual warfare. It's when the church says, you know what? I am so much more than the color of my skin. I see so many people in the media nowadays and on social media, they say, well, I'm black and I'm white. Listen, that's not who you are, that's what you are. Who we are, I'm a blood-bought, blood child of God most high. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Greater is he that is in me. That's who I am. My identity is not found in my race. My identity is found in the blood of Jesus and in the cross. And it's what I am, but it's not who I am. And if we can begin to reverse these mindsets and reverse these curses and say, God, give me your mind. Let me identify with who you've called me to be. I'm made in the image and likeness of God most high that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made of God, that everything I touch prospers, that I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field, that I'm on top and never beneath. No man can hold me down. Every, everything that I need, Lord, my, my help comes from you. I look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help does surely come from you, not from the government, not from my paycheck, but in Jehovah Jireh that provides all of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You alone are my God. So we got to start by forgiving. Here's the key. Have you all ever been hurt before? We all have. There's racism, then there's reverse racism. There's people have been passed up for jobs. There's things that can happen, but here's the key. Will you just carry that for the rest of your life or will you forgive so that you can live? Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I want to give you an opportunity today to just forgive. Forgive those who are white, forgive those who are black, forgive those who are Hispanic, forgive those who are whoever has hurt you. I want to give you an opportunity to forgive, but don't miss the second word, it's repent. And repent means to change your mind and to change your direction. It's not just 
saying, God, I repent, and then I'm going back to the same thinking. It's that, no, I've allowed your word to now change my thinking and change my direction. And I believe there are so many of us at the other campuses that are watching online that we need those two words. We need to forgive. We need to let go of those who have hurt us. And then there are some of us, our perspectives about another people group, we have stereotyped them. And we say, all black people are this. All white people are this. All white men can't jump. That's a lie. I knew people that would just dunk on you back in high school. That's the stereotype. It, it, it has to be uprooted. You know, it has, it has to come out. And we got to change our thinking just so that we don't think like the world, but we think like his word. Every head bowed. I want to pray for you today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know what? I need to forgive those who've hurt me. Could you lift up your hands so I can know who I can pray for? Thank you. I see your hands. At the other campuses, just lift up your hand right where you are. Okay? Just begin to talk to the Lord and say, God, forgive me. I release, if you know their name, I release Bob. I release Sue. I release the blacks. I release the, the Asians and the Africans. Just begin to let this be between you and God because you got to, we can't just come to church. We got to go out and we got to be the church. We got to be the light that is in this world and it starts with you right here, right now. Thank you for your forgiveness, oh God. You cast sin as far as the east is from the west and you remember it no more. No more condemnation, no more guilt. There is freedom in this house right now. Freedom in this house right now. Number two, if you're here and you can admit that you've had wrong thinking about certain races, cultures, and classes of people, but you're ready to repent, which means change your thinking and change your direction. I wanna pray for you as well. If that's you, could you just lift up a hand? All over the building, lift it up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your hands. Thank you. So I'm gonna lift my hand up, all right? Because all breakthrough starts with humility. All breakthrough, that's all, I, that's all I can say. If you did not lift your hand, but you should have, lift it up right now. All over the building, say, I'm ready to turn. I'm ready to repent. Thank you so much. God sees your hand. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for every person that's lifted up their hand, that they are changing their thinking. They're developing the mind of Christ. I thank you for a spirit of wisdom. I thank you for a spirit of boldness. They will be a light in a dark world from this day forward. Heal every broken place, everything that's been crooked, straighten it out. By the power of your spirit, Jesus, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're moving right now. In Jesus' name. And this is my last and final appeal, number three. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you want a relationship with God through Jesus, if you've ever sinned in your life, here's the truth. You deserve hell. The good news is that God doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us grace. Grace is favor that you don't deserve. You can't go to church to get it. You can't be good enough to get it. It's given to you freely because God's love for you. No matter who you are, what denomination you've been a part of. If you don't want a religion, but you want a relationship with God, the Bible says when you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. And I would love to pray that five second prayer with you that will change your eternal destiny. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you say, you know what? I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. Could you lift up your hand all over the building? Thank you. I see your hand and your hand and your hand and your hand and your hand, 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 and your hand. You can put your hands down. And I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer after me. Nobody prays alone. Say this, Lord Jesus. Everybody pray together if you don't mind. Say, Lord Jesus, 
come into my heart today. Forgive me of my sins. I turn away from my way and I turn to your way. I surrender my life to you. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins on a cross. Be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everybody. Could you stand? Come on, let's give God praise as you stand. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.